Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan, and I'm here today with actually just me. It's just Ryan, so we'll see how this goes, I guess. Uh, Actually, I'm really interested today. We are going to read through, uh, mostly we're reading Habakkuk. Uh, We will get a little bit of Zephaniah, which I think we'll touch on Zephaniah tomorrow. Um, But Habakkuk is really interesting, and and it's part of these minor prophets that you may not have dealt with a lot. Maybe if you've never read the whole Bible before, you've never dealt with any of these minor prophet books. Um, But Habakkuk is this tiny little um, book of prophets that has three chapters in it. Um, and it's, it's really interesting in its, in its content. Um, sometimes you might think that some of these, these older books, these minor prophets, they're kind of not very useful anymore. Or they're kind of old and dusty or they were useful thousands of years ago and they're not anymore. But at the core of Habakkuk, there's a couple of really interesting questions. Um, one being, how do you allow evil to exist? Um, when there's people that are trying to do the right thing. I mean, that's that's still a very present question. It's still something we wrestle with a lot, and we will actually dig into that into Habakkuk. So in Habakkuk, what we get is kind of this back-and-forth conversation between the prophet and God. And so what you have recorded is literally like Habakkuk cries out, and God answers. So the way that we jump into this thing right at first, you get this short little section. It's Habakkuk 1, uh, verses 2 to 4 where Habakkuk is like crying out in lament. Habakkuk is is very distraught, very upset, basically because of the sin that exists in the nation. We've been talking a lot about the sin uh, in the nation. At this point, we're talking about Judah specifically. But Habakkuk sees that what the people are doing is not reflective of what God requires. Actually, the final little piece of that, this is the end of verse 4. Um, the wicked far outnumber the righteous, and justice has become perverted. And so Habakkuk is basically crying out to God, like, God, you are righteous, you are holy, these are your people, how can you let this happen? And God answers Habakkuk in pretty strong terms. Basically, what God is going to do is step in, and this is in this is in Habakkuk 1, starting in verse 5. It'll go through about 11. Um, but basically, God says, hey, I'm not going to allow this to happen. There is judgment coming. And not only is judgment coming, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be really, really bad. Uh, and it's going to be at the hands of the Babylonians, who are basically like these incredibly evil people. They're they're super powerful. They're sweeping across nations. Um, there's, a, there's a point where it says they scoff at kings and princes. This is verse 10. They scoff at kings and princes. They scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile up ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. Uh, Basically, what God is saying is like, hey, there is this group of people. They have been raised up by me. They are sweeping across countries and rulers and nations with ease. They are going to sweep across Judah with ease. And judgment is finally going to come. Now, this causes a problem with Habakkuk because Habakkuk is going to notice just how evil the Babylonians are. And so he's going to get concerned like, hey, God, you're you're a God of love. You're a God of justice. You're a God of... um, righteousness? How can you allow these evil Babylonians, these these prideful, idolatrous, wicked, murdery people, how can you allow them to exist? And so what we get, um, it's chapter 1, verses 12 through 2, chapter 2, verse 1, is 
Habakkuk's response to God, where he's saying, like, how can you allow this to happen? You're a holy God. You're a powerful God. You're a righteous God. How could you possibly work through these wicked, evil people? Um, and he he's pretty he's pretty direct in his questions with God, and he's very frustrated. You can actually see it in the text. Um, here here he says in verse thirteen, "You are pure. You cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they?" Now this is. This is where we get into that piece that is, how could God possibly allow these evil things to happen? How could he allow this wicked culture, this evil generation to rise up, to overcome God's chosen people uh, in judgment, and then allow them to just like rule and reign? It doesn't seem compatible with who God is. So this is what Habakkuk does. He questions how God could possibly allow this to happen. And then he kind of sits back. It's funny how he ends his thought. He says, I'll climb up on the watchtower. I'll stand at my guard post. I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. So basically, Habakkuk is not happy with the fact that God is telling him he's going to raise up this wicked people to destroy Judah. And then he says, you know what, God, I'm, I'm being open about this question. I am willing to sit here and wait. We don't know how long he waited, uh, but God answers him at the beginning of chapter 2. And what he says is essentially, um, these people are evil. These people are wicked. I am going to judge them because God always judges the wicked. But you may not see it happen in your lifetime because God is at work on a much higher level, a much longer plane uh, than any of us have seen or experienced. And so as Habakkuk gets frustrated, as, as Habakkuk is not understanding how God could allow this to happen, God is reminding him that, hey, I'm not allowing this to happen. There will be judgment even for the Babylonians. We actually see this happen later on in history. Uh, But he's saying, like, I am the Lord. I am righteous. I will not allow this to continue. And kind of the way that he wraps up his explanation of how Babylon will be judged, um, it's this note about idolatry. This is starting in verse 18. What good is an idol carved by a man or an image cast that deceives you? How foolish to trust in your own creation, a God that can't even talk. What sorrow awaits you who say to wooden idols, wake up and save us. To speechless stone images you say, rise up and teach us. Um, the, The Lord is in his holy temple, let all earth be silent before him. I jumped ahead a little bit there. But basically God is saying like, hey, I am always going to judge those who are idolatrous and wicked in my sight. Judgment is always coming. Now, to Habakkuk, he's saying, basically, this is going to play out over a long period of time. You might not get to see it, but it doesn't mean I'm not, I don't care about it. It doesn't mean that I don't judge it. Um, There's also a really interesting thing in here. It's a very, very familiar line, if you're familiar with the New Testament. Uh, If you look at Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Basically, the righteous will live by faith. Uh, this verse is used by Paul in Romans. It's Romans 1, verse 17. Paul uses it again in Galatians. It's Galatians 3, verse 11. And it also shows up in Hebrews. It's Hebrews 10, 37. So this is a very Old Testament idea that becomes present again in the New Testament. It's, it's not new in the New Testament. Paul's just using his understanding of the Old Testament. He's using his understanding of Habakkuk, kind of this obscure minor prophet, 
to teach us about who Jesus is, ultimately who God is, with his, with Paul's personal understanding of who God is revealed in the Old Testament. So whatever we can do to have a full picture of the Old and New Testament together as one work, it ends up really building our faith, strengthening our faith, and giving us a more full picture of who God is. So here we have just this passage is kind of part of this back and forth between Habakkuk and God, where God says, no, the, the righteous live by faith. And that's what it's going to take, Habakkuk. You're going to have to have faith that God is good and God is working out what's right, uh, even though you might not see it. And then Habakkuk ultimately responds to this with basically a psalm. And actually, I think it's one of the coolest parts in this this whole book. Um, Habakkuk answers with this psalm, basically rejoicing in what God has said, rejoicing in who God is. Now, here's this really cool piece. It's uh, Habakkuk 3. Uh, we could, we could look at 16, Habakkuk 3, 16. I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. So Habakkuk is pausing and finally coming to terms with, you know what? I might not see righteousness in my day. I might only ever see this wicked injustice around me, but... I am willing to trust that God is faithful and he is just and he's not just letting suffering to go unchecked. He will bring justice and judgment and bring people back to himself. Um, I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. This is where context is important. Habakkuk is talking to this like agrarian people. These are people who, who farm, they live, like their whole existence goes up and down based on what's happening in the fields. And so for Habakkuk to say, even though the figs aren't blossoming, even though there's no grapes on the vines, even though there's no olives, even though the fields are empty, even though the flocks are dead, I will trust God. I will rejoice in the Lord. This is an awesome picture of faithfulness. Habakkuk is saying, you know what? I don't have to see good in my lifetime to trust that God is good. I don't have to see good this week to trust that God is good. I can look out on the fields and see that there's nothing in them. I can look out in the barns and see that they're empty. I can look out at the olive trees and see that they've got nothing on them. And yet I can trust that God is good. This is an awesome, awesome passage because what it is is Habakkuk giving us this beautiful picture of faith that's very applicable today. Even though things are happening in our lives that don't seem right, right? Even though we see things that strike us as disappointing, as hurtful, as evil, as wicked, that doesn't mean that God is not at work. Sometimes being faithful means trusting that God is much bigger than our situation, trusting that God is much bigger than our time period, trusting that God is in control, God is present, God is working, even when we don't necessarily see that evident in our lives. We can continue to pray, we can continue to worship, we can continue to be moved by our devotion to God, even when we don't see what we'd like to see, because God is still working and he's still there. So Habakkuk, to me, is this beautiful picture of faithfulness uh, that comes out of this conversation between a prophet and God 
Here you get a story about the people of Israel. We hear a little bit about the people of Babylon. We hear a little bit about Habakkuk personally. But ultimately, there's a lot that we can take from this in our context today. Because this idea of faithfulness is not bound to just Habakkuk. It, it's telling us that we have a God who's just, who's righteous, who loves us, who has deep concern for what's happening in our lives. And we can trust him even when it seems like he's not working as fast as we'd like, even when we might not be able to see the resolution of his righteousness in our lifetime. We can continue to be faithful. We can continue to trust. We can continue to follow Jesus. Hey, thanks so much for listening to God's Whole Story. I hope that you got a little bit of something out of Habakkuk. I really encourage you, go back and read this for yourself. Don't be put off by these minor prophets, how they kind of seem a little bit bizarre. Maybe you haven't heard a lot about them. This is an excellent book of the Bible. You can really learn a lot about who God is and what we're called to do with our lives by reading through it. Uh, We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye. Habakkuk 1, starting in verse 1. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. The Lord replied, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against the walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind, and they're gone. But they are deeply guilty, for their own strength is their god. O Lord my God, my Holy One, you are eternal. Surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord our Rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Must we be strung up on their hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? Then they will worship their nets and burn incense in front of them. These nets are the gods who have made us rich, they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquests? I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guidepost. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets, so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Wealth is treacherous, and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave 
and like death they are never satisfied. It is their greed they have gathered up for many nations and swallowed many peoples. In their greed they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many peoples. But soon their captives will taunt them. They will mock them, saying, What sorrow awaits you, thieves? Now you will get what you deserve. You've become rich by extortion, but how much longer can this go on? Suddenly your debtors will take action. They will turn on you and take all you have, while you stand trembling and helpless. Because you have plundered many nations, now all the survivors will plunder you. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. What sorrow awaits you who build big houses with money gained dishonestly? You believe your wealth will buy security, putting your family's nest beyond the reach of danger. But by the murders you committed, you have shamed your name and forfeited your lives. The very stones in the walls cry out against you, and the beams in the ceilings echo their complaint. What sorrow awaits you who build cities with money gained through murder and corruption? Has not the Lord of Heaven's armies promised that the wealth of nations will turn to ashes? They work so hard, but all in vain. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. What sorrow awaits you who make your neighbors drunk? You force your cup on them so you can gloat over their shameful nakedness, but soon it will be your turn to be disgraced. Come, drink and be exposed. Drink from the cup of the Lord's judgment, and all your glory will be turned to shame. You cut down the fortress of Lebanon, and now you will be cut down. You destroyed the wild animals, so now their terror will be yours. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. What good is an idol carved by man, or a cast image that deceives you? How foolish to trust in your own creation, a god that can't even talk. What sorrow awaits you who say to wooden idols, Wake up and save us! To speechless stone images you say, Rise up and teach us! Can an idol tell you what to do? They may be overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless inside. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of your deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by, and in your anger remember your mercy. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens, and the earth is filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands, where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him, plague follows close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the Eternal One. I see the people of Cushan in distress, and the nation of Midian trembling in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No. You were sending your chariots of salvation. You brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. The sun and moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. You marched across the land in anger and trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people, to save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. 
With his own weapons, you destroyed the chief of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel would be easy prey. You trampled the sea with your horses, and the mighty waters piled high. I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. For the choir director, this prayer is to be accompanied by stringed instruments. Zephaniah 1, starting in verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Zephaniah when Josiah, son of Ammon, was king of Judah. Zephaniah was the son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah. I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, says the Lord. I will sweep away people and animals alike. I will sweep away the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea. I will reduce the wicked to heaps of rubble, and I will wipe humanity from the face of the earth, says the Lord. I will crush Judah and Jerusalem with my fist, and destroy every last trace of their Baal worship. I will put an end to all the idolatrous priests, so that even the memory of them will disappear. For they go up to their roofs, and they bow down to the sun, the moon, and the stars. They claim to follow the Lord, but then they worship Moloch too. And I will destroy those who used to worship me, but now no longer do. They no longer ask for the Lord's guidance or seek my blessings. Stand in silence in the presence of the Sovereign Lord, for the awesome day of the Lord's judgment is near. The Lord has prepared his people for a great slaughter and has chosen their executioners. On that day of judgment, says the Lord, I will punish the leaders and princes of Judah and all those following pagan customs. Yes, I will punish those who participate in pagan worship ceremonies and those who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. On that day, says the Lord, a cry of alarm will come from the fish gate and an echo throughout the new quarter of the city and a great crash will sound from the hills. Wail in sorrow, all you who live in the market area, for all the merchants and traders will be destroyed. I will search with lanterns in Jerusalem's darkest corners to punish those who sit and complacent in their sins. They think the Lord will do nothing to them, either good or bad. So their property will be plundered. Their homes will be ransacked. They will build new homes, but never live in them. They will plant vineyards, but never drink wine from them. That terrible day of the Lord is near. Swiftly it comes, a day of bitter tears, a day when even strong men will cry out. It will be a day when the Lord's anger is poured out, a day of terrible distress and anguish, a day of ruin and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet calls and battle cries. Down go the walled cities and the strongest battlements. Because you have sinned against the Lord, I will make you grope around like the blind. Your blood will be poured into the dust, and your bodies will lie rotting on the ground. Your silver and gold will not save you on that day of the Lord's anger. For the whole land will be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. He will make a terrifying end of all the people on earth. Gather together, yes, gather together, you shameless nation. Gather before judgment begins before your time to repent is blown away like chaff. 
Act now before the fierce fury of the Lord falls and the terrible day of the Lord's anger begins. Seek the Lord, all of you who are humble, and follow his commands. Seek to do what is right and live humbly. Perhaps even yet the Lord will protect you, protect you from his anger on that day of destruction. Gaza and Ashkelon will be abandoned, Ashdod and Ekron torn down. And what sorrow awaits you, Philistines, who live along the coast and in the land of Canaan, for this judgment is is against you too. The Lord will destroy you, until not one of you is left. The Philistine coast will become a wilderness pasture, a place of shepherd camps and enclosures for sheep and goats. The remnant of the tribe of Judah will pasture there. They will rest at night in the abandoned houses of an Ashkelon. For the Lord their God will visit his people in kindness and restore their prosperity again. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.